Well, like you said, I can't wait to see what I'm going to say. It is always an honor to, to preach here at Calvary Community Church. And I enjoy traveling and doing what I do. We've already had an interesting morning. We got up, well, we've been awake before 5.30, but we got up and um, been doing a few things. Back the motor home in over here, and, and all I heard on my phone is, Yankee, help. And I go outside, and Betty's laying on the ground. She had tripped, put a tooth through her lip. Hurt her knee and cut on her hand. So I can say we bear the marks in our bodies. But I says, you want to stay home for a couple of days? No. Anytime I say we're going to go someplace, he's already got the suitcase packed and sitting in the car waiting on me. But I would appreciate it if you'd pray because she'll feel probably a few more pains later. On the schedule that you received, you can see what dates I'm going to be at certain places. <clears throat> That's the day you're supposed to pray for me. And if everybody does that, you'll be praying for me for six straight months. Pray for a safe trip. Not the one that Betty had. Safe <laughs> trip. And good health. And fruitful ministry. So we do desire that and appreciate if you would keep us in your prayers. Could God use me? Does God want to use me? Does God really want to use you? Is it really that necessary? Is it really important? If we don't do it, what's the big deal? Well, could a person's destiny really depend on me? Think about that just for a moment. A lot of people would say yes. Some people say no. But there is a question in doubts. And I hope that I can say what I want to this morning in such a way that you will rejoice always, like Paul says. And at the same time, he says, I have continual heaviness and sorrow in my heart. It's kind of hard to balance those two. This year, I was up in Georgia, and I was performing a funeral service for my sister Kay. I already did it for the other two, for my mom, then for Kay. Years ago, when I was probably 17 years old, 17, 18, I had not yet trusted Christ as my Savior. Kay, as far as I know, was the first one of all of our relatives, and even in our family, that seemed like she had a hunger for God. She wanted to go to heaven. She wanted to know God. She wanted God to want her. She asked me, she said, Yankee, I went to this church, and I just can't seem to do what they want me to do, and would you go with me? So at this time, Betty and I, we just dating, so we went. At the service, they preached, they sang. And I didn't know the difference between a, a Baptist church, Methodist church, Pentecostal church. But this church was really alive with their singing. They had everybody that wanted to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost come down to the front. And they'd get around that person. And when they gave that invitation to come, there goes my sister. I sat on the back row and I watched. She came down there and three or four people get around and they prayed for Kay to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know there was an Old Testament, New Testament. I didn't know one book in the Bible or one verse in the Bible. But I heard from my sister Kay. And after about 10, 15, 20 minutes, she'd come back and she'd just be a bawling. She said, I don't, guess God wants me. God doesn't love me. And it broke my heart. But I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to tell her. 
Well, some time passed, and I trusted Christ as my Savior. I came one day up to Northside Baptist Church, where John John is now the pastor up there. And I walked up to the front of the church, and Kay was sitting in a pickup truck. Milton Hale's her husband's pickup truck. And she was just sitting there. And I walked up, and the window was down, and I said, Kay, do you know where you're going when you die? No. And started crying again. I said, Kay, I know now. Let me tell you. So I told her how to know she could have eternal life and know that she's going to heaven when she dies. She trusted Christ as her Savior that day. I didn't know. Then I found out. And then I told it. And somebody trusted Christ as Savior. Now some people say, Yankee, if you hadn't have told her, she'd have got saved anyway. I just want you to know personally, I don't believe that. I believe I make a difference. I do believe that there's people that are going to be in hell that I could have made a difference. If I didn't believe that, I would not do what I've been doing for 62 years. Because whatever will be, will be. But I want to show you some things I believe. The other day I walked into Waffle House up here on Shelton Road? No, Waters. I sat down, minding my own business. I have a little Zaduco book. Kind of stimulates your mind a little bit. You can see whether you're smart or dumb. <laughs> can I figure it out? I'm sitting there and drinking my coffee. And the waitress, I've never seen her before. Little young girl, she came over there. And I've never had this happen before. She sat down. There's people in there. She sat down and says, what are you doing? I says, I'm doing some of these things in the Zuduko book. I says, can I ask you a question? You'll never guess what kind of question I asked her. <laughs> I says, do you know for sure where you're going to go when you die? She says, yes, I do. I says, where? She said, I'm going to heaven. I said, are you 100% sure? Yes, I am. Little smart, cute little girl. I said, is there anything you can do between now and the time you die that could keep you from going? Well, yeah. I said, you can't know you're going there till you know you can't go there. She says, oh. I explained the gospel to her. She trusted Christ as Savior. The other day, me and Betty walks in there, and she served us again. I says, you remember me talking? Yes, I do. I said, where are you going? She said, I'm going to heaven. I said, how do you know? Christ paid for my sins. I um, was down getting another set of keys made for the motorhome. We only had one set, and I think if I lose them, I'm among. So I went to this lock and key place over in Clearwater. I walked in there. I said, ma'am, is this the right place to get some keys? She said, yes, it is. I said, are you the only one here? She says, so far. <laughs> so she started making the keys. She got through and she brought them over to me. I said, ma'am, do you know where you're going to go when you die? She says, well, I hope I go to heaven. I said, if you could know it, wouldn't that be better? Well, yes. And I explained the gospel to her and right in the middle of it, when I made the statement that the reason I can't go to hell is because Christ paid for all of my sins. And she looked at me and she went, oh. I thought she was going to have a heart attack. She said, oh. And she held herself while I finished talking. Oh. I said, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. I said, it makes sense. Yes, it does. I said, will you accept Jesus Christ right now as your Savior? Yes, I will. Now, some people say, well, if you hadn't have reached her, somebody else would have. Somebody else would have reached them. Because that's a nice way to relieve ourselves of responsibility to reaching the ones that we did reach. So, yes, it's um, a lot of stuff. Now, take your Bible real quick and turn with me. I've only got an hour and a half. <laughs> Matthew chapter 9, I want you to look at this, and verse 36. You've seen the verse before. 
Verse 36, Matthew chapter 9. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. If it really doesn't matter and the labors can't change anything, are there really few? Maybe they're not even needed at all. But if you need labors, then there has to be something they can accomplish that can change the status quo. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Evidently, God says the labors are few. But if whatever will be, will be, then the labors are not few. They're not even needed at all. Unless somehow those people that are lost and go to hell depended upon us, the laborers. It's got to be one way or the other. So I want to share a few things with you. And I'm not sure if this will work. I don't remember trying it. Oh, that little thing that works this didn't get plugged back in. And I don't know where it is. I guess I can just do this. Yeah, I can do this. I can just touch that right there. Or I could do it that way. It's working now. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. Are there laborers really few if no more or no less will change the number for heaven. Does God need me? Does it really matter? You'd be surprised that over the years I've had people say, God doesn't need you. Because you're not that important. I mean, here's the God of creation. And you're going to try to tell me this great, big, wonderful, all-powerful God needs you? Yes. I am saying that. But I'm saying it because I believe the Word of God teaches it. And that we can make a difference. Here are some questions and statements made by a Mike Lee. Reasoning that eliminates our responsibility to witness. I'm saying this because the Grace Evangelical Society, who I believe they believe that they might be the new head pope, of the grace movement and everything has to run by them and they approve or disapprove of everything you say or do and there's a lot of people that will swallow everything that they say I have preached for them so I know I've been to Dallas and I've preached in the meetings I've had meetings with those that were the head but this is something that I want to run by you because if what he says is true it could change things and I want you to understand this. He's a finance attorney, member of the GES board, and lives in Dallas, Texas. I was there two years ago, and I met with the board, a couple of them anyway. The Grace Evangelical Society, taking upon themselves the position as head pope of the Grace Gospel. The lost man doesn't repent, but the saved man does. Repent doesn't mean turn from your sin. They used to believe that it was a change of mind. Now they do believe it, turn from your sin, but it's to the believer. So you don't have to tell a lost man to repent because it's not found in the book of John. It changes a few things, and so they begin to read and interpret a lot of scripture based upon their agenda. Trusting Christ as Savior is wrong, now called trustism. It's a very confusing word, and it has worked for salvation. I just finished reading the whole article about a month or so ago. Cannot use the word decide or make a decision because you're not supposed to use those. Here are some questions and statements made that I want to run by you because they're not just statements that he's making, but they're statements that a lot of people also make and believe, and it changes things. This is one that just came out recently. In their little journal they put out. 
no one is going to go to hell because I failed to speak up. And I saw that and I thought, they've changed the gospel content and changing all these different things. And now you don't even have to witness. But if you are, the motive and the correct motive is going to be rewards. God will reward you if you do it. That's wonderful. One of the things that burned in my little brain years ago when I heard Dr. A. Ray Stanford, when he'd give his testimony and says, I just don't want people to go to hell. And so for 55 or 58 years, I've said, I just don't want people to go to hell. As though I'm going to make a difference. Am I really going to make a difference? Well, there was a whole college built upon the idea we can make a difference. And kids that trusted Christ as Savior at camps. And we work like dogs to try to get kids to come to camp and the ranch and to go to college because we believed it was important and we didn't want people to go to hell. We didn't think about rewards. That's wonderful and that's great that God wants to reward me when I get to heaven. But I still just don't want people to go to hell. I am so glad that I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven because a man... One man in 82 years witnessed to me. Only one person. And I thought, what if he had missed me? So that's how I know I'm going to heaven because God used that one man to get the gospel to me. And he wasn't a preacher. He was just a layman in the church. Back when he says, and this is his writing. This is what he says. Back when I was in high school, my church produced a video designed to encourage evangelism. Young man was shown in tears and relative darkness to represent his men in hell. He was looking at his friend, a believer who was in the light. The condemned man's question to his friend was crushing. Why didn't you tell me? I also know that we have used illustrations similar to that. I also know that a guy named Greg Steer, who has dared to share, he did a whole thing on and he uh, read a, a letter from hell as though a person who goes to hell and he writes it to his friend and says, if you knew it, why didn't you tell me? And I have been in the meetings where that's been done with about six or 7,000 people in Civic Auditorium up there in Atlanta, Georgia. And you'd be surprised to see a thousand kids in there dedicate their lives to the Lord to tell their friends because they believed they can make a difference. Because if they can't make a difference, why dedicate our life to serve God? Why have a missionary go anywhere if he can't make a difference? There's a lot of people, yes, they'll live their Christian life and never make a difference in anybody's life. Living by the power of God is living by the power of influence that you have in somebody else's life. And some people can live their life and they have no influence in other people's lives. You want to be powerful in the hands of God. Let God use you to influence people. To make the greatest decision they'll ever make in their whole life. The implication of the condemned man's words were clear. I wouldn't be in hell today if you had just told me the gospel. It is your fault for not sharing your faith. And because of that, I ended up here. Now he's saying this because he doesn't believe it. I believe that I can make a difference. And if we can't make a difference, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Playing games? I would have loved to got a hold of the great apostle Paul and tell Paul, Paul, man, you blew it. You ruined your life. You didn't have to suffer the way you did. You didn't have to go to all those places that you did. You didn't have to go to prison. You didn't have to get beat with a cat of nine tails. You should have been in Bob Gilbert's Sunday school class this morning, and you'd have heard what Paul went through. But Paul, if you can't make a difference, why did you do it? You didn't have to do that, Paul. And Peter, you didn't have to get crucified upside down. You didn't have to hurt and suffer. You didn't have to dedicate yourself. You didn't have to deprive yourself. Or... Maybe it's a question we all have to think about. Somewhere on the line, you've got to come down on one side or the other in your own personal life. And this is what he said now. What a tremendous burden and responsibility. 
Will people end up in hell because I failed to share the gospel with them? If some people will be in heaven because I shared the gospel with them, does this prove that people's eternal destinies depend on whether I evangelize? Do you really believe that there are going to be people in heaven because you lived your life? You talked to them. You shared the gospel. You supported the missionaries. You helped support the church so they could preach the gospel and get out over the internet and YouTube and whatever way we can. Do you believe that we ought to get the gospel out to everybody? Why? If we don't do it, will it make a difference? Or do we believe it will make a difference? Is this an accurate and appropriate motivation for evangelism? Will people end up in either the lake of fire or in heaven because I evangelized or failed to do so? What should motivate believers to evangelize? Will there be people in hell who would have believed the gospel if someone had given them the gospel? What do you think? I believe that there will be people that could have gone to heaven. I say this later on, but I'll mention it now. People were lost before I was born. They were already condemned before I was born. But now I am in this world, and I did trust Christ as my Savior, and now I can't answer for all the people that have died before me. But I can try to do what I can for all those who live at this time. So I look at this world a little bit different. We are in the land of the dying, and I'm looking forward to the land of the living. Since no one is going to go to hell because I failed to speak up, and this is what he wrote. This understanding has relieved me of the tremendous responsibility and pressure of thinking that people's eternal destinies rest in my hands. You see, the Grace Evangelical Society has stripped the gospel of its content, then stripped away the proper reason why we should try to witness people. And stripped away the message that we tell people on how to have eternal life. Does that bother me? Yes, it bothers me. Because a lot of people will repeat exactly what they say. And I despise it. If, and this is the little Yankee's opinion. If everyone who wants to go to heaven will, what is my urgency to witness? Am I really needed? So do we believe that every person that's out there who really wants to know the truth, they will find the truth? I like to believe that, but I can't prove that. I believe that every man has light when he comes into the world, and there's light. And if he follows light, he can find the source if he lives long enough, searches hard enough. That's why God, God says, search for me with all your heart. And you can find me. But you've got to find me before you die. Does that mean that every person who wants to go to heaven will go to heaven? Because if they want to know, and God's going to get the truth to them. But I can't find chapter and verse to prove it. It's hard for me to believe that there's people who want to go to heaven, but they won't get to go because nobody got the gospel to them. What would be the difference between Calvinism and Mike's reasoning that removes our personal and corporate responsibility to win souls? Because see, if you're Calvinist, what do you believe? God's already done determined who's going to win and who's going to believe. And so whether they want to or not, God has already done selected them. So they're going to get to go to heaven. Even if I don't witness, God's already determined. And so I don't even see why they have to believe. Just wait till they die and they're gone. But isn't there people who also believe the same thing as Calvinists? When we believe that anybody who wants to go to heaven is going to get the gospel and they're going to go to heaven. That sounds good. But does everybody who wants to go to heaven going to go to heaven? I want to give you something to think about. Can my obedience to win souls make the difference of even one soul? My whole life that I live, is it going to make the difference in one person going to heaven? Or can I not even affect even one person that will go to heaven because I lived? 
If it's not needed, and I'm not needed, and I can't change anything, why send me into all the world? Why preach the gospel if they're going to get saved anyway? If one is unwilling to be part of God's unnecessary plan, is it true, without a doubt, that God will use someone else to accomplish his purpose as my claims? In other words, if I don't witness to that person, somebody else will because they want to know the truth. Can you prove it? Chapter and verse. I think you'll have a difficult time. I believe we could reach a lot more people if we had a lot more laborers, a lot more, you know, people in the vineyard. More fruit pickers instead of fruit inspectors. If God knows that someone will believe the gospel, if they heard the saving message, then God's love for that person will find a way for them to hear the gospel. I say that, but like I said, I can't necessarily prove it. I'd like to believe that that's true. So that everybody who wants to go to heaven, eventually, somehow, miraculously, they'll get the gospel and they'll go to heaven. Let me show you something that might... Cause a little problem. Matthew 9. We already read these verses. But when he says the labors are few. Are labors few if everyone who wants to be saved will be? If God's already got enough labors to reach the ones who are going to be saved. Because if they're wanting to go to heaven, they'll get the message. Then the labors can't be few. Unless we can make a difference. Because there's a lot of people that may not even want to know. I've led people to Christ who didn't even want to talk about God. Claimed to be an atheist. But by the time I got through, they trusted Christ as their Savior. I talked to one man. He says, I'm an atheist and I don't care to talk about it. Don't want to discuss it. He says, if I go to hell, fine. I don't care. He said, I don't believe there's a God. I says, did you always think this way? He says, of course not. I said, so then you changed your mind. He said, yeah. I said, is it possible between now and the time you die, you could change your mind again and want to know? He said, well, I guess. I said, but I won't be here. So let me go ahead and tell you now so that when you want to know, you'll know how to get there. I said, don't that make sense? I said, just take two minutes. He said, sure. So I went ahead and gave him the gospel. He said, that makes sense. I said, would you trust Christ? Yeah. So he wasn't looking and didn't care. But he was persuaded. And the word, word persuaded is used in the scriptures, believe it not. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into the harvest. Why? Am I really needed? If I don't, will somebody else reach them if I don't do it? Doesn't the Bible tell us somewhere that the lost are going to stand at a great white throne? And they're going to be judged according to their works. But it determines the amount of suffering that they suffer in hell. Then it means there's a lot of people that are going to go to hell. And they are going to be judged. And the judgment has to be in what degree of punishment they're going to receive. Evidently not all will suffer the same. But all will suffer. Forever. And we may be able to make a difference. I can't explain it all. I don't even understand it all. I just know that in my mind, i got to come down on one side or the other. And if I'm going to err, I would rather err on me doing something than me doing nothing. Because I've lived long enough to see thousands upon thousands of people that I've led to Christ. And they are still serving God today. I'm not talking off the top of my And I may talk, like Paul said, foolishly. You don't want to boast. You don't want to brag. But you just want to state the facts. There's people that are knowing Christ the Savior today. Serving God today. Because Yankee Arnold decided I can do something about it. And their lives have been changed. And they state that Yankee led me to the Lord. 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 And nobody has most cases have never witnessed to him since. 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. If it doesn't matter, why go? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Because it must be important. If Christ died on the cross for every individual, he had to die because it must have been important. It must have been necessary. It must have been the only way. But he has committed that message not to the angels, but to us, individuals. And we have to decide what we're going to do about it. I get a chance to preach in a lot of churches. I love it when a pastor finally sees the clarity of the gospel. Because if I can get this preacher to see the clarity of the gospel, he can enlighten his whole congregation. And then when I'm in that church, they'll stream the services. Then they'll put that message on YouTube. And so there is an area by which they are magnifying the clarity of the gospel. Then I go to another church, and then another church, and another church, and another church. You realize how much is being multiplied. And thanks the Lord for Pastor Jesse Martinez getting me started on YouTube. I didn't even know what YouTube was. A tube or something. But I didn't know what it was. <laughs> but he got me started. Do you know that last month, in the last month, our average was 56,000 views. I had to think, it says, that, uh, at one day it said 28 days, and I had 2,100 new subscribers. I looked yesterday and it was only 1,800. That's new subscribers. Total on there, we have 3.2 million views. And I got the text where it shows all the countries and the cities, and how many people responded. And I thought, what if we had never done that? Then I saw him put up one the other day, and lo and behold, he had 1,000 or 2,000 views over and uh, just a, a few days. Because it makes a difference. If we didn't think it made a difference, why do it? Why do you want to support a missionary? Because we want to go reach the lost. Well, if they don't go, somebody else will do it. Well, they're going to get the gospel anyway. Better check with the scriptures. He says in Matthew chapter 11, he began to upbraid the cities where most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto Chorazin, when you must say to, for if, 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 the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sodom, they would have repented long ago. In other words, it could have changed things if you had somebody. If they'd have went and they'd have preached. If Lot had uh, taken a stand like he should have, hey, Sodom and Gomorrah would have never been destroyed. But a lot of people, he said, he just vexed his righteous soul from day unto day with their unlawful deeds. It's seeing and hearing. He saw the pornography. A lot of people today just read about it. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for tyrants I don't want at the day of judgment than for you. So everybody doesn't suffer the same, but everybody will suffer. But to what degree? I've tried to picture myself. And I was at Northside. I, would, I closed the door, turn off the light, and I sit there in the dark. And I try to picture myself in hell, in flames, in torment, and thinking, Lord, why didn't somebody tell me? And then I realized, yeah, somebody did. But could there be somebody else that I can tell? And I'll never forget when old John John come walking down out of our church at Northside. And he says he saw me do that little wall of illustration. He had been messed up most of his life. But when he saw me with the clarity of the gospel, it changed the man's life, changed his destiny, I believe. Does it matter? believe it matters. And now John, he'll call me once in a while and say, how many people they had trust Christ as their Savior? Did you know that you have one of the greatest persons in this church? Is Louis Hernandez. You know what he does almost every week? Virtually every week. He'll go soul winning. And he's taken people out with him, took college kids out with him, and they, he shows them what to do. Now, why do that if it's not important? It is important. 
And yet many have never led anybody to Christ. You can live your whole life, never reach anybody. Or do you want something to be different in your life? Something worth living for? Because this life is going to be over soon. And I realize I'm, I'm getting out of here numerically. It's going, to be, I'm, it's going to be over soon. But I want to do what I can while I can. And like I told somebody, I don't mind growing old. I just thought it would take longer. <laughs> but, but thou Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. If the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done, it would have remained to this day. It could have been different. If somebody had gone to that mall, if somebody had witnessed to that neighbor, if somebody had gone to that country, it could have been different. Either it's true, this is God speaking. I don't know it all. I can't explain it all. I can't fathom somebody going to hell. They're already lost, condemned. But I believe greatly that I can get some. Look what Paul says in the scriptures. In Luke, the last thing Jesus said is he gave the great commission. Said unto them, this it is written. And thus it behooved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance, change of mind, and remission of sins should be preached. Should be preached. That's by people. In his name. Among all nations. But a lot of people will never hear the gospel. And without hearing the gospel, they cannot believe in Christ. There is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Only one. There's only one gospel. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. And also to the Greek. Paul made a statement. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. What would you think that means? Do you think he's saying it was necessary? Somebody's life, eternal destiny, hangs in the balance of whether I do this or I don't do this. Is it possible that God's going to use my words? Whenever you study the book of John, chapter 7, 16, when it says, you that believe on me, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. And he shall not only be with you, he shall be in you. And he is going to teach you and convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit, I don't believe, is out there floating in the air and going all over the world. The Holy Spirit indwells the believers. And he commands the believer to go into all the world. And as we preach the contents of the gospel, we tell them about belief and righteousness and judgment. That's part of the content, the message that we preach. So should we do that? That's what the Holy Spirit uses. That's why some people have power in their preaching. And they'll have results. And some people will not. They mutilate the gospel. They don't make it clear. They don't make it simple. And I would venture to say that 90% of all churches aren't worth a quarter. The preacher ought to quit and go get him an honest job. And some missionaries ought not get one penny. Because crossing an ocean is not going to make you a missionary. You don't win souls here, you won't win them over there. Amen. If I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. If against my will, a dispensation, the stewardship of the gospel is still committed to us. I'm still responsible. Whether I want to do it or I don't want to do it. And there's a lot of times I have witnessed when I didn't want to witness. A lot of times, believe it or not, I've come to church when I didn't want to come. As you know, I'm getting a little bit older. And I'll go up there to Georgia, and I'll drive all the way back. And when I get back sometime on a Wednesday night, and I'm tired, I'm weary and worn. But I'll still come to church on Wednesday night. And it's not because, well, I need to be fed. I like to think that. Because most of the things that people preach and preach... I don't really know. But I want to be a blessing. I believe it's a blessing to the pastor when I come to support him. And so I'll walk into this church and I'll sit back there and I'll listen to him. And believe it or not, he does feed me. Even though I know a lot of people probably could be here and won't ever come. 
You want to be a blessing to the preacher? Come to church and hear him. Because don't you think that blesses him? He's blessed, and it's a little discouraging when you're not here to hear him. If he ever got discouraged in the ministry and he quit, don't say, well, he was weak in faith. No, it was you that was weak in faith. You didn't support. You didn't pray. You weren't there. You say, how come you could say all these things? Because I'm not the pastor anymore. <laughs> Bob Gilbert has a lot of good stuff he teaches on Sunday morning. And you'd be surprised. You can learn a lot of Bible. But it won't do you a bit of good. But see, if you know that you're learning something because you want to do something, it makes a difference. But when you don't want to do anything, you don't want to hear anything. You become dull of hearing. By the way, that's in the book of Hebrews in chapter 5. If you want to read it, not now. Look at the next verse, verse 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself a servant of all that I might do what? Do you really believe he can gain more by what he's doing? The sacrifice he makes. He can gain more. And he's talking about souls. He says, to the Jews, that I might gain them that are under the law. And gain them, in verse 21, that are without the law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I have made all things to all men that get this, that I might by all men save some. Do you think the Apostle Paul thought that what he was doing was necessary? That there was a reason behind it. He could make a difference. And we are responsible. You know it would be so great if what that guy says, it relieved me of my great responsibility and pressure. Is that what people want? You don't want the responsibility. You don't want the pressure. So why? That's why. Some people go to another church where they can just sit soaking sour and never do anything. Because nobody's going to challenge you. Here you're going to have to either get on the ball or you'll wind up leaving. Because you can't take the pressure. You can't take the responsibility. Life will be over soon. Do now what you can. And when you get to heaven, you're going to wish you had. So do it now before you get there and then wish you had. Don't that make sense? I'll write that down. This I do for the gospel's sake. Because, you see, if a man can be saved by his own righteousness, then Christ is what? Dead in vain. So it makes sense for those who know the truth of the gospel and that anybody can have it. And you want to share it. You say, how, how hard is this thing about doing that? Get out here with Louis and go soul winning with him. Learn. Take my class online. We even got one for cheapskates that don't want to pay anything. It's 10 free lessons. And you can learn how to win souls to Christ. It will change your life. Otherwise, you'll go ahead and you'll, you'll live your life and just play church. But never get involved. Some people get more emotionally involved just with an electric toothbrush. In the next verse, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. In the next verse, Jeremiah 8, 20, summer is past and we're not saved. Could the eternal destiny of some of the lost lie in our hands? John 4, 35, say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. They're white already. It means there's people out there ready to be reached. And he's going to pay soul winners. He's going to pay soul winners. That's what the next verse says. So I believe it does make a difference. I did not plant the harvest, nor did I grow the harvest, but I am commanded to try to reap the harvest. And I cannot as one Reach the world, but I can reach some. And corporately, as a body of believers, we can reach more 
That's why one person may not be able to support that missionary, but all of us working together, we might support a whole bunch and make a difference. Do it now and believe it is true and it is necessary. Are you supporting missions here? Then do it. Do it. He said, if I could have found the man to stand in the gap so that I wouldn't have to destroy, he said, but I didn't find anybody. You know, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for a man that God said I can use and show him how great and wonderful and powerful I am on his behalf. God is looking for somebody to use. Don't you have inside of you that little desire? I want God to use me. I want to make a difference. I want to live for something that's worth living for. And living in this world and just trying to get possessions and houses and all that stuff. No, that's not where it is. I got a motorhome sitting out there. You know who paid for that thing? I did. It didn't come out of the ministry. I had gotten another one that before that cost me $10,000. I got it from Phil Myers. I put in 10000 more to keep it running. But I got a little insurance that came because I had some damage on it. I hit this and I hit that and I hit that. But anyway, <laughs> by the time I got through, I paid about $20,000 and got me an upgrade. And there's still all those issues. There's problems. You read about the Apostle Paul, always Problems. If you wait till you have all your problems solved before you do something, you'll never do it. Because you have problems and the sparks fly upward and troubles from the day you're born to the day you die. Can you mix in in all of this stuff? The will of God. Say, I want to make a difference. He says, awake to righteousness. Sin not. Talking to the church. For some have not the knowledge of God. Do you know that some have not the knowledge of God? And God says, that's our fault. I speak this to your shame. Because you've got the word of God. You've got the Holy Spirit living within you. You've got the command. You just won't do it. And you'll always find a reason not to. It's not that important. It won't make a difference. I've lived long enough to know it does make a difference. You know what I can't wait for? I can't hardly wait to get to heaven. It doesn't bother me if I, if I never make it out of Tampa. I'm going to heaven. And I know this. As Paul makes the statement, ye are my crown of rejoicing. It's the people that you reached for the Lord while you were here. And you can make a difference. Every individual in this room. And wouldn't it be a shame that you accomplished so many great things, but you didn't get anybody to trust the Lord? Because you're too busy. He says in John, Nevertheless, I tear the truth, it is expedient that I go away. If I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I go, the comforter will come. He said, I'll send to you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit works through the believer. And as we go with the gospel, we're supposed to be used by God to let people know about the sin of unbelief. And the only thing you have to do is believe what Christ did. So you talk to him about the judgment of God. You talk to him about the righteousness of God. And that's the way the way we present the gospel is the contents of the gospel that John talks about. And the people can understand, I'm going to hell. Christ paid for my sin debt so that I wouldn't have to go to hell. I want people to go to heaven. And then you want the people that you lead to Christ, you want them to serve the Lord. And Acts, Agrippa talking to Paul, he said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost you persuaded me. You see, so winning is scriptural. Persuading people to trust Christ as Savior is scriptural. People say, well, I'm not interested in numbers. God wrote a whole book in the Bible on numbers. He said in one place, 3,000 got saved. Somebody counted. 
Another place, 4,000 got saved. Somebody was counting. So is it wrong for us to say, we had four people trust the Lord today? Ah, you shouldn't say that. Why not? Because you don't know if they really got saved. Well, if they're lying, they're lying. I said, how many more of you trust Christ to save you this morning? Somebody raised their hand. I said, we got one. Ah, you don't know. Then if there's lying, he did it. Not me. Others can have compassion. Making a difference. But you see, you've got to build up yourself. Praying with your dependence upon the Holy Spirit. To use the clearness of the gospel that you present. And having compassion. You see those words in the blue? Making a what? A difference. Does the word of God say we can make a difference or not? God says we can. And it doesn't matter what Grace Evangelical Society says. We can make a difference. The message is clear. And save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. See, they're already going to hell by nothing that we have done. But we can talk to some and get them to go to heaven. They're not going to be there because of me, but I might have changed their direction if I'd have presented the gospel. So I have a certain responsibility, and it burdens me. Many people live their whole lives and never have a burden for souls. I'm burdened. And a lot of people that came out of Florida Bible College years ago had a burden for souls. But a lot of that generation is dying off. And there are not many of us left. When I leave here, I'm on my way to see Walter Morello. His wife, Jane, has had a, a stroke. And Walter's also, he's just a few months behind me, but he is behind me. He lets me know that. But he's down at the border. So we're going straight to the border. Nothing's happening down at the border, is there? <laughs> Ain't it something how those people are just flooding to get into here so they can hear the gospel? Coming from around the world just so we can reach them. It's a wonderful thing. Is it true that those who really want to go to heaven, God will get the gospel to them? True or false, what will it make a difference? Now get this. This is so important. I've got a few minutes left. Are false teachers really a problem if all those that they deceive was a sign they really didn't want to know the truth? Does the Bible say anything about false teachers in the Bible? And that false teachers give false hope. Remember the people that came and Lord, Lord. And he says, not everyone who says Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of God. But we have cast out devils and thy name did wonderful works. And you know, we, we did all this. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. Are you saying that all those people who wanted to go to heaven were deceived because they really didn't want to go to heaven. Or they really wanted to go to heaven, but they were lied to about the way. Otherwise, what are we trying to accomplish by pointing out all the people who don't teach the truth? Paul condemned those who taught a false gospel. Why? Because there's people who will listen to a false gospel and believe in it, but still go to hell. But they believed it because some, I believe, wanted to go to heaven. My Sister wanted to go to heaven. She wanted to know God, but they lied to her. I had a friend of mine, Michael Brown. Y'all seen him. But he had his life totally messed up. He would cry because he had heart trouble. He knew he wouldn't last long, but he wanted to know the truth. And he got on the internet, and lo and behold, he found Yankee Oil Ministries. Trusted Christ as a Savior, and then his wife, and then his brother, then her, and then the dad. And now he's trying to do whatever he can. But at one time, he had believed a false message. And because they believe a false message, it means they're going to suffer the consequences of believing a false message. And God will allow it. Because God has given the truth. You and I are supposed to stand for it. We're supposed to rebuke those who are teaching wrong. We're supposed to let you know those that are false. But many of God's people have no clue. They have no discernment. Oh, you ought to go over there. Boy, they got a beautiful choir. 
I mean, it's so beautiful. I mean, 10,000 people go to that one church. What does that prove? Nothing. If our gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Can the gospel be hid from the lost? Yes or no? In whom the God of this world had blinded the mind of them which believe not, lest the light of the gospel would shine unto them. Presenting the gospel could make a difference. Because the light of the gospel is the only light that the lost man can see. Because otherwise they're still blind. Will God allow false teachers to overthrow the faith of some? You can read that in Timothy, yes. Were these that were turned away by Christ a sign they never really wanted to go to heaven? Or is it possible they did want to go to heaven, but they wind up trusting in their works to get them to heaven? You may be sitting here right now, and you want to go to heaven when you die. But if you're trusting in your works to get you there, you ain't going. It doesn't matter how sincere you may be, how hard you try, how disciplined you may be, how much money you gave. None of it has any value. Did you or did you not accept Christ as your Savior and Him alone? There is no other way. Not everyone that saith in me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom. But he that doeth the will of my Father. In other words, God says, this is the only way. There is no substitute. The gospel is plan A and there is no B, C, or D. Will people that were deceived by false teachers still go to hell? Many will say to me in that day, many. Do deceived people still go to hell? Otherwise, if they don't, why get upset about all the false teachers in the world? Because they are making a difference. They're blinding people to the truth of the gospel. And that's why it makes it so important that you and I, who know Christ as our Savior, know we have eternal, know that we're going to heaven when I die, when we die. To do as much as we can, why we can. Do everything we can about it. So he says, I never knew you. I do believe this. I do believe there will be people in heaven because of me. I make a difference. And I believe you make a difference. And we could make a lot of difference in a lot of people's lives. Look up there very quickly. You can see us do this wall of illustration to your blue and, and never trust Christ as Savior or never learn how to do it yourself. You'd be surprised you can do this. To anybody. Start with little kids. They're not going to beat you up. <laughs> Bigger ones might. But little ones won't. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. Well, it represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us because we want the whole world to know God loves you. Hates what we do wrong, but he loves us. And to pay for our sins is eternal separation from God in hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, you've got to be perfect, as righteous as God, and nobody's perfect. No one's righteous. We've all come short of God's perfection. God says you can't save yourself. No amount of works that you can ever do will make you, never make you perfect. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because it separates us from him. So what Christ did, because he had no sin, he didn't have to die. He took ours. All the sins of the world. Paid for them on the cross and came back from the dead. And the only thing he wanted you to do about what he did was to believe he did it for you. If you'll believe he did that for you, he'll put this payment he made to your account. So you see, you can't know you're going there until you know you can't go there. And I can't go there because I have no sins to pay for. Christ died for my sins and a lot of people have heard it, but they don't get it. They don't understand it. So when you trust Christ as your Savior, he gives you as a free gift everlasting life. And he'll never cast you out and never lose you. That's the most powerful message in the world. You see, the gospel is the power of God, that message. And that's why Satan will do everything he can to blind us and keeping it clear so that people can hear it and understand it. Let's pray, shall we? The heads bowed, nice closed, no one looking around.
If you're here this morning, I pray that you have trusted Christ as Savior. But there may be one person sitting here saying, you know, that, that made sense to me. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. And I believe that spoke to me. I want to have eternal life. So, friend, if right now in the quietness of this moment, if you will accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, God said he will save you from hell, give you eternal life, you get to go to heaven. And all he wanted you to do was believe that when he died to pay for your sins, he did it for you. Would you accept that? Would you believe that? And if you'll believe it, God says you have everlasting life. He'll never cast you out and never lose you. But while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to have prayer for you. But I'm not God. I can't read minds. But in the quietness of this moment, if what I said made sense, you said, preacher, that made sense to me. And I will trust Christ as my Savior. Friend, would you just do me a favor? Would you just slip your hand up very quickly, put it right back down? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you forward. But right where you're sitting, just raise your hand very quickly and put it right back down. Same one at all. Wait just a moment. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior and you're God's child, do you believe you're necessary? Do you believe you can make a difference? Do you want to? Talk to the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. Bless each one here. Bless Calvary, and thank you so much for the leadership here. And open them doors so they can reach out across the world. Use them in a great way. And pray for wisdom concerning Betty and I and the trip to keep us safe, keep us well, give us much fruit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.